this is John Mills. This is Josh Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. So this week we are doing another What's the Deal with the E podcast. I'm doing the Bullet Bourbon, Kentucky Straight Bourbon. And I'm doing Lismore, a Speyside Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. And to go with uh, the whiskeys, we have um, a big kind of spread. I've got some bacon wrapped dates, some french fries, Turkish uh, apricots, dried cherries, a almond and chocolate nut bar, kind of brittle, and then some chocolate covered cranberries. I started to have those ribs again, Josh, but I opted out and have bacon. I have uh, deviled eggs. I have hard sausage. I have dried cherries, dried apricots, some chocolate and some Irish fudge. And along with that is a cheese that we we've done this before it's a parmesan crisp and you actually put it in the oven at 400 degrees about one tablespoon and you make little cookies and a little bit of peppers on top of that all right josh there was a tasting last week you remember that one yep i blinded a beer at the end of the montana podcast it was a montana beer i thought it was very hop driven with some good lemon flavors on it, but it mostly to me was characterized by the hop. I thought it was a standard style IPA. So dad, what was it? Well, Josh, you got the P right. It was a, they call it a juicy Montana pale and the can is really pretty cool. You know, as I said last week, we, your mom and I did a whole lot of fly fishing, and the can is yellow in color with a graphic of a fly rod that is spinning because it's has a fish on, and the subtitle of the beer is called Fish On. comes from Kettle House Brewing Company. So it was the Fish On Juicy Montana Pale Ale. And it's... Uh, Alcohol by volume is about 4.8. And I don't know how you missed this, Josh, but the IBUs is not an IPA. It's only about 30. So that's, uh, let's see, the moose drool was 26. And this beer you tasted was only four more. Well, I guess it must have just been the the hop and the the juiciness of the pale ale that kind of tricked me into thinking that the bittering was higher and that it was an IPA. Still a good beer, wasn't it? It was a really good beer. That's why I only brought one back. <laughs> one four pack. Yeah. One <laughs> right. for me, three for you. Four pack, three got drunk, one got saved. Cool. This week, like we said, we're doing what's the another podcast on what's the deal with the E in our liquor podcast. Our whiskeys we're tasting out of Glencairn glasses, so kind of a short curvy uh, glass and as well with the with the bourbon we have it on a little bit of ice so we've got the bourbon two separate ways we've got it straight and neat and we have it straight on the rocks you ready to get into this dad i sure am yeah so we're gonna start with the uh, bullet bourbon bullet bourbon is a straight kentucky bourbon i have a correction from our last podcast about whiskeys and bourbons. To be a bourbon, it doesn't have to spend two years in oak. It just has to touch new American oak. Um, there's no actual time that's designated, but for straight bourbon, like the bullet bourbon, it has to be two years 
first char and first use American oak. Yeah, American oak. All right, so let's give this a try. Let's go to the Glencairn glass first. All right. I'm seeing an amber color. You're kind of right. I, it's kind of a ambery color. Reminds me of honey, the color. Yes, it does. You know, you can smell that high alcohol. I don't know that I smell the oak aromas, but maybe so. And maybe that was cheating because we just talked about the oak. And I mean, it's we know the oak's there because of the coloring and there's kind of a light hint after like you kind of get through the alcohol, you get the some of those flavors of um, like the baking spices. So you have like, I think it's like hot cinnamon. It kind of smells like, you know, that spicy, spicy kind of cinnamon, like big red. You know, I'm getting more of a nutmeg, Josh, and I forgot to mention that we do have some nuts here today. Mm-hmm. We have some cashews and some English walnuts. Kind of getting a honey undertone. Yes. To it. Definitely. Kind of a Glencairn glass. There's not a whole, whole lot of smell besides that alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it is bottled at uh, 90 proof or 45% alcohol. So it's it's up there in the proof. I just had a taste on the tip of my tongue and I do get that honey. That's really nice. Pretty sweet. Yeah. It's kind of spicy too. So one of the things about Bullet that makes it different than some other bourbons and one of the reasons I like it is they have a high amount of rye in their mash bill. So the mash bill of a bourbon is the percentages of grains that make it up. Uh, We know that since it's bourbon, it has to be at least 51% corn, at minimum 51% corn. And then they can use other wheats, barleys, rye, and what other, any other grains that kind of other grains that they want in to make the mash bill, but they have to use at least 51% corn. And since corn we know has a lot of sugar in it, that's one of the reasons they, the proof on it is so high, but rye always gives a spicy characteristic. So right. that's why kind of, when you taste this, it has that kind of spicy element to it. Still get the sweetness, but it is spicy. I don't know what the spice is. Do you Josh? I'm not sure what rye spice would mean so it's kind of more of like a it's that kind of pepperiness that um i think kind of that's that you know how i said it kind of smells like hot cinnamon like spicy big red i think that that spiciness is coming from the rye okay okay well what let's start a little pairing here josh I would suggest trying the uh, bacon wrap date first. Uh, you must have cheated and saw my fingers on that on the toothpick. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's going to be really good with that fatty, salty, sweet uh, kind of flavors. These are made from a local restaurant here in Little Rock called The Pantry, uh, one of my favorite restaurants in town. Mm-hmm. So you get the smokiness from the bacon, the sweetness of the date. Now I'm going to put a little bourbon with it. Oh, yeah, that's good, Josh. Good pairing. What makes it good to you? Well, the sweetness and the smokiness just add to that, I guess, the the richness of the rye and the spiciness, plus that honey sweetness. So they just mix together so well. Yeah, it kind of calms down a little bit of that spiciness, but then it comes in on the back end. Well, and I think the bacon, smoky bacon, has a little bit of spiciness just from that smoke and the taste of the chard. Mm-hmm. And I just had it. On the ice, and that I really like ice. You know, I've mentioned before, I personally like any American whiskey, whether it's bourbon or just rye or American whiskey. I like it on ice. I think it does really well with a little bit of water in it. And it may be from the bacon, but the to me, the, the smoky, um, charred characteristic comes out a little bit more when it's on ice than uh, straight. On ice, what I, I taste is uh, a lot less of that spiciness. Yeah. Yeah, it's much smoother. And we said before that ice helps it bloom. 
And I think it bloomed to a, a much softer taste than the maybe the harshness of the alcohol without the ice. The alcohol is still there. We didn't dilute it very much because we used some uh, pretty big ice cubes, ice balls, actually. It didn't dilute it much. So what other pairing? You got some uh, French fries here. Yeah, uh, so there's some, some saltiness. There's some saltiness and some of that starch. I think it's going to go really well. Uh, there's also the dried cherries. Let's see what the dried cherries do. Because there, it has that sweetness again and then kind of some of that rich fruity kind of flavor, I think will really complement the whiskey itself. Yeah, that worked. Just kind of the sweetness of the of the uh, bourbon mixed in with the sweetness of the cherries works well. Yeah. So a little bit more about Bullet. Now, recently that there has been there's been some controversy with Bullet. There was um, some issues where it was it was it was brought out that uh, one of the daughters was gay and that she was fired from the company for it. So oh, that's, that's just, wrong. Uh, yeah, it's completely <laughs> wrong. You know, it's something just to kind of know about kind of their history. But they've they've done a lot from what I could kind of read that they've done a lot to kind of work on that image. You know, the the head of. The company was let go to try. Now, is this after Seagram's bought them out? I think this was before Seagram's. Oh, okay. That was in 2000, I think, or 1999. Well, it was it was Diageo. Diageo may have bought them from Seagram's, but Diageo actually was the one that kind of helped to force and make some of those appropriate changes which needed to be made. Now, it doesn't affect the quality of the bourbon. Uh, It's just something to know and kind of be socially conscious about when you go to choose when you go to choose the bourbon, but we chose it because it's flavor, it's straight um, kind of flavor and it's a value. Um, also move, looking a little forward into next week. One of the reasons I wanted you guys to have this in your home bar is because it makes a great cocktail liquor. Yeah. A back of a cocktail, right? Mm-hmm. So did you get any uh, vanilla nose? I reached over to my uh, nosing glass and now I'm getting just a little bit of vanilla. There is some vanilla in there and I think that's, you know, just allowing it to open up, but that's going to be another barrel note. So you got some chocolatey things here too, Josh. Mm-hmm. There's some chocolate, almond, sea salt bark. Don't listen afternoon, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may get hungry. Is that what Steven said? If you're not going to eat along with us, you may get a little hungry. So that really gave it a very, very sweet note. Mm-hmm. The sweetness of the chocolate in my mouth with the bourbon. Well, and you know, it's dark chocolate, so it actually might be some of the bitterness. It might be counteracting the alcohol a little bit to kind of bring out some of yeah, those I think you're right. sweeter flavors. Excellent. You know, I'm not so much a bourbon person, more of a scotch, but that is really, really a good one. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the nuts? Have you tried any nuts with it? I just, I, I haven't. You know, it's one of my favorite things is to have a little whiskey and some cashews. Why do you like the nut pairing when it comes to whiskey, Dad? Part of it's the saltiness and part of it is... <laughs> I just love cashews. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, it's a lot of a, is the light. I like this and I like food. that. Yeah. yeah. It's comfort. Well, cool. So um, going back to, you know, what's the difference with the E, you know, we talked about last time that this whiskey is spelled with an E since it's coming from America and America, A-M-E-R-I-C-A has an E in it. So that's a way we can remember that this whiskey, when we spell it, has an E. But like I said, that this is Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. I want to talk a little bit about some of those designations. So doing some research from the American Bourbon Association, there's different levels and different requirements to different words that are on a bottle of whiskey. And we talked about, you know, what needs to be bourbon. It has to be made in the United States. It has to be made from 51% corn. A new oak barrel. It has to be aged with new first use char 
American oak. You can't have any natural or unnatural additives to it, unlike some of the other whiskeys where you can add colorings and flavorings to it. There's it's stored in barrel most of the time. And then for straight bourbon, like we said here, you know, it has to be in those new char barrel oaks for at least two years. Um, There's another classification where it can be what's called bottled in bond. Something that is bottled in bond, the bourbon has to be from one single distillery and one single distilling. Okay. Um, it has to be aged in a federally bonded warehouse. So the warehouse where the bourbon is housed has to actually be recognized as a bonded warehouse. It has to be in the barrel for at least four years and it has to be bottled at 100 proof to be what's considered bottled in bond. And a lot of these designations and laws came out of are coming before prohibition where, you know, there was a lot of gut rot that was being made and people were getting sick and dying. So the group of distillers wanted to make sure that their stuff was good. And so they help. So with yeah, the you, help don't of Congress, that, you don't want that 190 proof. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want stuff that's, you know, that's just got, you know, it's wood grain alcohol, you know, that's just not sti- distilled good. And, you know, they actually worked with Congress to help make the regulations so that they could you know, save the art and the craft of what they're doing. It also can't be for any type of bourbon. It has to be distilled when it comes off the still less than 160 proof. So a lot of times when it comes off the still, um, you know, this is 40, you know, this is 90 per 90 proof. So they'll actually cut it down to the proofing level that they want, but it also has to be above 80 proof. So it can't be below 80 proof. And most of the times, you know, when it comes off the still can't be above 160. So I've never seen any calf strength bourbon. Does that exist? Do you know? Yeah, there are a few out there. I see it in scotch. I know. Maker's Mark has a, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Has oh, a calf right. strength. Yeah, um, um, I think Knob Creek. I've also seen cast strength, uh, but they are on the higher end of the bourbons. And most of the time, the cast strengths are also single barrel mm-hmm. bourbons. I've noticed some of the big distillers will partner with uh, either local liquor stores or local distributors and they'll bring their liquor stores out there and the liquor store owners can do tastings from barrel and they'll pick a barrel and say, okay, that barrel mark for us, we're going to buy all of it from you. And so only that single barrel will only be sold at, you know, whether it's 107 here, Colonial or O'Looney's, but it's a specific barrel for a specific liquor store in that market and everything. It's really cool. We need to go buy a barrel, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can go buy a barrel. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely would help you enjoy the barrel. Yeah, I'll, I'll chip in my five dollars for it. But it's a lot of, it's a lot of really fun. So as Maybe we been, ought to check out Rocktown and see if he'll sell us a barrel. Yeah, there's, yeah, we, uh, there, we have a local distillery that we've talked about before called Rocktown, and they make bourbon, they make other whiskeys, and they make vodka and gin, gin as well. So as I've been chit chatting, what have you been trying? Well, I went back to the. <laughs> I went back to the bacon date, Josh. I mean, bacon rack date. You can't beat it. Mm-hmm. Love the darkness and the bacon and the and the date sweetness. And it just pairs well with the bourbon. And Josh, I've been over here drinking while you were talking about to run out. Well, good thing we left the bottle on the table. That's so. right. <laughs> That's right. Unlike last week where we had the cans in the refrigerator. I really like the chocolate covered cranberry. 
I haven't tried those. You should give that a try. It's All really right. good. The chocolate and the sweetness, they go well together. Yeah, they go well together. They actually kind of round out the bourbon. We've talked a lot about how the flavors of this bourbon are really woody, spice driven, with a little bit of sweetness. This kind of rounds out and gives it some of that fruity floralness. And you know, this is dark chocolate. So bringing in some of that bitter kind of really rounds out the whiskey. And it's a really, really good pairing. That does work well. Mm-hmm. So do you get any um, pepperness on the finish like just any peppery bite yeah mm-hmm. i do and it gets me kind of in the back of my throat yeah it's, the finish it's definitely one of the characteristics of the finish we talked about finish before but if you've for, forgotten or if you weren't on that particular podcast the finish is when you've taken that drink how long that taste lingers in your mouth some of them are very short and some of them are very long and I think this bullet is in that longer category, don't you, Josh? Yeah, I would. I would kind of. I would definitely say that it's a longer. Is at least medium plus. Yeah, and a lot of times the finish it depends on the the whiskey you're tasting. The finish can be toward the front of your mouth or toward the back of your mouth, and this one's toward the back. Yeah, and it kind of is character characterized by that spicy kind of bite to it. And the other thing we talked about in in uh, previous podcasts is. Your tasting sensors in your tongue, you know, they're very different from the front to the back. I'm going to try one of these Parmesan crisps because it does have a little pepper in it and see how well that goes. I'll probably be pretty good. I mean, because with the Parmesan, we talked a lot about that salty umaminess, which is going to be good. I really enjoy almost anything that has a little bit of saltiness to it because it does continue to make your mouth water and it does kind of improve the flavor of whatever you're drinking. Mm -hmm. I've actually even put salt into beer before no because yeah, yeah come was, on josh no it, it actually enhanced the flavor because what it was it was a watermelon it was a watermelon goza. oh you put salt on your watermelon i don't put salt on my watermelon when i eat it <laughs> but it just for me it tasted it just had that taste of i want that little bit of extra salinity okay. to really kind of brighten it up and you know oh my gosh we put it, we put some in there and it was really good don't listen to him don't do salt aren't you always telling me to try new things <laughs> yes so don't poo poo when okay. i'm trying new all things all right you finally tried it. salt i think it was really good how was the parmesan crisp very good so that little pepperness and the little saltiness that comes just natural with the, with that Parmesan fit very well with the bullet. Something else you can try if you want um, as a pairing is some either like maple syrup or mol- molasses uh, with a bourbon. Uh, my sister was telling me about how... I was how wondering what you were going to do with that. My sister was telling me about how she did a taste, kind of a guided tasting with a group called Women Who Whiskey with Woodford Reserve, a Woodford Reserve rep, and they kind of told them what to try. Uh, some of the same things we have here. She said one of the really surprising things was using molasses. Because she used molasses, they they uh, suggested sorghum, but she didn't have any, so she used molasses, and she said it worked really well because of that sweet, you know, kind of roasty flavor really complimented the whiskey. It was kind of surprising because you wouldn't expect something that sweet to go with something like a whiskey by itself. You may not know this, but your great grandfather, my father's dad, had a sorghum mill at one point. Okay. So my great grandfather. Yes. He had a sorghum mill and one day I went out there and helped. And, you know, it's interesting how you cut that sorghum, which is a cane, a sugar cane, and they grind it into this mixture and you get all those sugars out. Well, the bad news is the bees. The bees love it 
as much as we do. So I got stung a couple times that day, but that was some really good sorghum that, you know, firsthand. And I'm sure that maybe there's some listeners that's near my age and maybe they know exactly what I'm talking about. So what does what does sorghum taste like? Well, it's black. It's darker than molasses. It's it's dark. It's cane. It's a cane and it's much thicker and syrupy compared to molasses. Much more dark. Cairo, if you will, flavor. So is it kind of like roasty? Yeah, you cook it. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, molasses to me has that kind of like rich cooked sugar. Right. Almost burnt. So is that kind of what this is? Yeah, it's caramely. Yeah, it's not burnt, but it's all, you know, it's caramely, dark, just a whole different flavor. So you don't know what we're talking about. Go out and get some molasses. (laughs) Yeah. Or and see if you can find some sorghum molasses, too. Right. All right. So I'm going to pour a little bit of this maple syrup on a spoon for you doesn't take much no it doesn't you know this is vermont this is vermont maple syrup that we have excellent josh talk about what it does talk about the taste well the the sweetness of the of the vermont syrup is unlike you know or whatever you might buy over at your grocery store so that sweetness with this bourbon they complement each other from a standpoint of the sweetness of the bullet and the finish is nice and smooth because of because of that syrup. I mean, it's smooth already, but makes it extra silky, silky smooth. Yeah. And it kind of calm, you know, it calms down the spiciness a little bit, but it keeps the alcohol heat. This is really a good bourbon. There's a lot of good bourbons out there, that, but this is uh, very economical. The price point is uh, below $30. You can catch it on sale. So uh, just watch for those at your favorite liquor store. Yeah. And that's the thing. You want to find stuff that's really economical that can go that you enjoy and that can be used in more than one instance. So that's why we're going to be using it again in our first cocktail episode. Oh, are you? Okay. What else you got on the bourbon? I don't think I have anything else unless you have any questions to ask me about. No, I'm good. All right. So let's switch over to the whiskey. We're doing Lismore, Speyside, Single Malt, Scotch Whiskey. So, you know, Josh, I heard about a friend or maybe maybe as a Scotsman. And he went to the liquor store and he rode his bicycle and he bought that bottle of scotch. Maybe it was Lismore. Maybe it was uh, something else. You know, maybe it's Glenlivet, French Oak Finish Reserve like we had before. And he put that bottle in his basket on the bicycle. And he thought to himself, oh, I don't know about this. Because if I have a wreck on my bicycle, I'll break that bottle and it'll be totally gone. So he decided, I'll just drink that scotch now. And so he drank that whole bottle of scotch, which I can't imagine a person drinking a whole bottle of scotch without passing out. But he got back on his bicycle after he drank that wonderful scotch. Well, he fell off his bicycle and wrecked his bicycle seven times on the way home. And he thought to himself, it's a good thing I didn't put that bottle of scotch in my basket because I would have broken it seven times. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. So, Lismore is a uh, single malt from Speyside. The Lundick family were highly respected whiskey brokers in Scotland with access to the finest casts of Scotch whiskey. Well, the second generation, Alan and Bruce, created Lismore brand in 1974. So, it's not really that old, Josh. Nope. It's a little bit older than I am. Yeah. Using a variety of whiskeys 
from Speyside. The recipe that they use is still what they use today. It's of that same amber color. What do you get on the nose, Josh? Well, first off, this is extremely different than what we were just drinking. So it kind of shocked my nose on the first on the first smell. But this one has a little bit more like oceany kind of smell to it. There's a little bit floor of florality to it. Definitely a good bit of salinity and you can kind of get some there. It's been in barrel. Yes. Now I know that this is a non-age designated scotch whiskey, so we don't know exactly how long it's been in barrel or if they use stuff that's been in barrel for 10 years and blend it with five year to make the whiskey. Yeah. Non-age designated means that uh, maybe they've mixed some different barrels mm-hmm. some maybe have a 12 year some maybe have a 15 year so they don't really put an aging on that particular scotch it's a really like soft kind of soft smell the bourbon was really upfront, big powerful it kind of in your face and this is you know while there's a lot going on it's kind of softer in the smell what i heard also is that the age designated happened because they were running it you know when you when you put whiskey in a barrel and you have to wait 15 years. Well, you can't do anything for 15 years. So if they couldn't sell that scotch for 15 years and they still needed to sell scotch, maybe they started blending those different barrels for the economic reason of they needed to sell it. They need to make money. Oh, yeah. So I kind of get like a lemon, almost like a lemon tea or like a lemon, like a lemon rind on it. And it's not like the brightness of the zest. It's not you know, the oil, the essentialness of the oil, it's kind of like with that, it's got a little bit of that pith on it still bringing out some of that kind of bittering smell. So in the nose, do you get some caramel and some honey? I get a little bit of a, I get a little bit of honey, but there's a lot of, to me, there's a lot of you get the unexpected fr- florality. Yeah. I get salinity on it. Yeah. It's uh so it's not going to knock your socks off. It's interesting. It's, it's not intended for that. It's just a smooth drinking scotch and if you if you're a trader joe's person now i've not been in trader joe's yet yeah but i hear trader joe's has it and it's very economical uh, the one i have here says 21.99 and maybe trade trader joe's has it cheaper than that i don't know well not here because they can't sell liquor in, a, in mm. the grocery but other places other places they might sell it in trader joe's but yeah that's one of the things about a unaged designated scotch is you know, they're still really good deals. And Lismore themselves are, it's just a great little deal. I mean, you can find their 15, I think, for under $45 a bottle, which is incredible for that age. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to what we tasted our whiskey last time, which was uh, the Glenlivet French Oak finish was $80. So this is a great buy for that. Yeah. So in the initial taste, um, it's really woody. It's, you know, it's kind of characteristic of scotch. You know, you can really taste that it's been wood aged for a while. I get some caramel. Yeah, I get some kind of like roasted caramel. <sighs> it's going to sound weird to describe it this way. But it's kind of caramel. It, it, it's kind of like you had caramels that were stored in a wooden box and they picked up some of that like woody. So was the wooden box down in the earth? Because I get that earthy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you kind of pick these up or, you know, it's kind of has that like sawdust is the wrong word definitely but it's like a clean like cedary kind of taste on the scotch kind of reminds me of a, that that cedariness that you can get off a cigar oh, okay that kind of woody knit that bright clean tasting wood that you can get off cigars and pipe but it is kind of 
There is some definitely carboniness. Some you need butterscotch. I get some butterscotch. In I there. don't really get butterscotch. Okay, um, for for me, and I don't get the nutmeg or nuttiness that we sometimes have. Yeah, and that's kind of you know it's presenting itself more as like actual a wood flavor to me than some of those baking spices that we talk about in wine and with bourbon. So I've got some bacon in my hand, Josh. I think I'll try that. Well, I mean, it's always good to have bacon in the hand. Yeah, I think I'm going to try the the fudge. Okay. So tell me a little bit about this fudge. Well, we have a friend that's Irish and they always have a St. Patrick's Day party. And if you go to the party and you know much about Irish or Ireland, you might win a prize. Well, we won a prize of this Irish whiskey fudge. So it's Irish whiskey fudge. Yes. Okay. So that might be an oxymoron to have Irish whiskey fudge with Scotch whiskey. So the smell of this fudge. It smells like popcorn. What? Like it smells like kind of caramel corn. Well, just I got the caramel from it. That's why I put yeah. it on the plate. Just on the flavor of it. Like it smells like really roasty pop, like really roasty caramel corn. Okay. And I'm going with the bacon. So the bacon has that salty charred taste and it goes well with this scotch. The saltiness does not distract from the scotch itself. Okay. What happened with the caramel? <laughs> fudge. That fudge is so good. It transported me to Halloween. Like to where? To Halloween. You know. Is that coming up? Popcorn ball. Well, not right now. But you know, you know, popcorn balls. Oh yeah. That you, you know, you'd get sometimes when you trick or treat. Oh yeah. Um, it just like it it transported me to that place and time of being a kid in Kansas City. It's cold outside, you know, when you're trick-or-treating and you come back and you know, the as you're going, the treat that I I mean sometimes that I would eat while we're going is I would take out one of the popcorn balls and I would eat it while we were trick-or-treating. And I, oh, just, yeah, got, okay. I just got transported straight You back. just got transported there? I just got transported straight straight to that. You know, that's the amazing thing about, time. about drinks and food. You sometimes get transported, like Josh said, because your palate and your taste sensors mix with your brain. And when was the last time you had that? Sometimes you just get transported there. I mean, the last time I had that was probably, last time I had a popcorn ball was probably. You were how old? <laughs> I was thinking, you know, probably in college. So, you know, 10 to 14 years ago. Fantastic, Josh. But it goes it goes well with the, you know, it really goes well with the whiskey. Kind of just, it actually brings up a little bit of the sweetness to it and kind of helps to elevate it just a little bit. So the other thing I have on the plate there is uh, some deviled eggs. I'm going to try one of those and see how, the, how that kind of pairs you can keep those deviled eggs all for you well there's a little cayenne on the on the deviled eggs so it may mess up the scotch i don't know but i'm gonna try it and it's like we said before you know if the pairing doesn't work it's okay we tried it yeah maybe we don't need to try it again right and it's like we said before if you like the like the drink we're talking about and you like the pairing fantastic so the deviled egg didn't work that well Yeah. Sort of like I thought it, but I wanted to put it on the plate just to try it. Right. What are you doing over there, Josh? Tell me what you're thinking. The Parmesan crisp and the whiskey are working pretty well together. I'm finding a lot of the things that I'm tasting are really enhancing that woody flavorness. That right. woody kind of cedar. The earthiness. Taste. No, like it's not actually like. Not the earthy, it's woody. Earthy. It's the actual like a woody flavorness to it. Like to me, there's not really much peat flavor in this. It's no. really kind of driven no. by the barrel, the barrel flavor. No, it's a space side, so you're not going to really get any smokiness with a space hide. Maybe just a hint. It's just a easy drinking whiskey. I think this would be a good entrance into whiskey. 
and to Scotch, excuse me. Because I mean, we remember when we were talking about the map of Scotland and kind of its regions, you know, Speyside is over in the corner, as I call it. Looks like there was a piece cut out of Scotland. You know, it kind of comes down to almost right. a 90 degree angle. Right. It's kind of up in that area. In that kind of corner is where Speyside is, where a lot of like the big names, you know, McAllen, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, Glenmorangie, a lot of those are. Of, yeah. A lot a lot of those guys are located. So it's going to make that easy kind of entrance style to scotch. And being, you know, $21 a bottle, I mean, this is cheaper than some vodkas. It's cheaper than a lot of bourbon nowadays. Right. Unless you're going for some of the, a lot of the big names like Jim Jack. I mean, even this bullet, I mean, there was, you know. $25. So that right. scotch is cheaper than that. And, and you know, it's a good entrance and, you know, transitioning. Yes, they're very different, but you can find some commonalities between the bullet bourbon and the Lismore scotch that we're drinking. So the sweet sweetness is part of the commonality. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the scotch and kind of scotch in general as compared to bourbon. Well, it's a lot of, a lot about how it's made as we talked before, you know, distilled twice instead of three times for Irish whiskey. Now, I don't know about the bourbon. How many times is the bourbon distilled? Well, it's distilled in a co- in a column still. Right. So and it's not in a pot still. So These are pot stills. Right. And so it, it's, it's distilled until it reaches kind of a proof level and a taste that they want. Right. I think the scotch is done the same way. I mean, cast strength is going to be up in that, you know, 150 proof. Somewhere there. Yeah, because this Same is as, 40 proof. Yeah. 40, sorry. 40%, it's 40% so proof. when it, when it's uh, bottled, which is, you know, pretty standard. You know, I don't know. I just kind of lean towards scotch, but you're kind of leaning me back toward bourbon with this bullet and some of the others we've tasted already. I mean, it's good. You know, they're both, you know, they both have their places. You know, to me, you know, this is going to be something we can talk about next week when we do cocktails. To me, bourbon really lends its it's a great drink in whiskey but it really lends itself to cocktails really really well so i like to have bourbon in my house which i have in my house well i like to have bourbon in my house because i'll drink it straight i'll drink keep good stuff that i drink straight but then i can also make cocktails with it and the scotch that i have in my house it's not as versatile scotch in my house is is there to be drunk neat Neat in a Glencairn glass, drops of water in it only, no ice, two drops, you know, just a couple drops of water in it, which I put water in this and it didn't really change it that much. No, to me, but I always like to, I usually have more American whiskey in my house than scotch because I will either drink it straight or I'll make a cocktail with it. I like the scotch straight as well. Put a little water in it and like we said, it blooms and opens up. This one doesn't open up much. I mean, there's not much there. Like I said before, this scotch is not going to knock your socks off. It's not intended to that. It's intended to be a smooth drinking scotch. After you get off work, kick your feet up. You're not trying to get drunk. You just need a little alcohol to kind of calm yourself down after that big day at work. Yeah. You can do that with the bourbon. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I had, you know, you have a globe decanter on your bar cart, which I'll put up a picture on Instagram that you keep on your bar cart. That's got scotch in it. And I like, I can see this as, you know, if I had a bar cart in my house and it would be just a everyday, easy drinking scotch, uh, it would be one that I would put into a, a nice, a nice decanter to have, you know, like you're saying, it's just, it's my everyday whiskey. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not high end stuff. It's not stuff I'm pulling out if I want to celebrate. It's not stuff I'm pulling out if I want to impress somebody. It's stuff I'm just pulling out because 
I want some scotch. Right. So you tried the Iris whiskey. The caramel, yeah. Caramel. Or the fudge. But it says fudge, but it's it's pretty caramely. Yeah. But it still has that consistency of fudge. And it worked well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was really good. It's just, you know, like we've talked about, this is a really good, easy drinking. This really doesn't. To me, this doesn't need food. No. It doesn't scream for food. It doesn't reject food. No. If you wanted to have this with a big old juicy steak, go for it. Yeah. But it doesn't, to me, the f- the food that we've tried with it does hasn't really enhanced it or changed it into something different or better. Kind right. of like we talked about how they're the, the dark chocolate cranberries kind of rounded out the bourbon and same with the bacon wrapped dates kind of, kind of changed the way it tastes. You know, this to me still... With everything I've eaten, it still kind of tastes the same. So it makes it really versatile. Right. It's not going to be, it'd be a very difficult life-changing pairing. That's right. With that. That's right. But now with a lot of the wines we've had, when you have the wine and then you pair it with food, a lot of times that wine just completely changes. Right. You know, it's not bad. Not bad by any means. It hasn't made anything taste bad. No. It ha- And no, nothing has made this taste bad. It's just nothing has really kind of brought it up to an excitement level. Well, try at least that, for me. Try that deviled egg. No, thank you. <laughs> you said it was bad, and I don't like it. I eggs. didn't say it was bad. I just <laughs> said it didn't work well. Well, yeah, you said it didn't work well, and I don't even like deviled eggs. So, so it's definitely not going to work well for definitely me. Definitely not. <laughs> All right. All right. I think it's time for the blind. Are you doing it? Yeah. Well, you're blinding me. Okay. And just as a reminder to everybody, when I taste, uh, when I blind taste, Spirits. I'm using the Wine and Spirits Education Trust systematic approach to tasting for level three for their tasting spirits. Are you ready, Dad? I'm ready. All right. So this is a clear liquor. Um, There's no haziness to it. It is, I would say, a medium concentration of yellow gold. There's no real like haziness to it or anything on the nose. You know, it's clean. I don't get a whole lot of alcohol, do you? It's there's some alcohol there, but it's moderate. It's moderate in intensity. It wasn't like the bullet. There's definitely some presence of oak, oak on it. Oh, there's some like sweetness, like some almost like sugary, almost like some sugary sweetness to it. Definitely that yellow in color. Um, to taste it. That's your first taste. So, um, the taste of this, it's definitely grain. It's going to be kind of a more of a grain driven. It's not that spicy, so it may just be kind of malty, um, like kind of a malty flavor. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like brown sugar oatmeal, uh, but it's good. Yeah, it's not It's not really that sweet on the palate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's got some kind of, you know, like ro- toasted nut, roasty kind of flavors to it. There's not really as much sweetness as I was expecting from the initial smell. So what it. kind of toasted nuts, Josh? Kind of, you know, more the neutral nut, cashew, almond. Um, there's not really much. I wouldn't say it's peanut or wa- maybe walnuts, but I don't eat a whole lot of walnuts. Um, but not, not bag. Mm-mm. There's not a lot of smoke on this. There's definitely some barreling. I'm being easy on him. There's definitely, there's some barreling barrel flavor to it you know some vanilla a little bit of that cedar characteristic so what'd your last say josh say it again i said there's definitely some like oakiness on it some vanilla vanilla some of the more like high baking spices it's a little you know it's a little spicy on it it's definitely not aged it's definitely not under a head like you'd have a sherry or anything like that so um i think that because of the elevated alcohol that i'm getting and a lot of wood presence and no real like solidity to it. Still very clean, a little bit higher in alcohol than I would expect, like a bourbon or an American whiskey. Um, I'm going to say that this is a 
Uh, I'm going to say this is kind of an Irish. It's it's a whiskey, definitely. With um, it, with an E or without an E? I think it is um, with an E. Um, I think that this might be some Irish whiskey. Hmm. So that's what I think. <clears throat> and, you know, we'll find out next week whether I'm right or wrong. And so, Dad, what are we going to do next week? It's going to be kind of a special episode. We're going to do cocktails. All Which right. cocktail are you going to do, Josh? So, like I mentioned, uh, we're both going to be doing some more of the classic cocktails with stuff we've talked about before. And I'm going to be doing my favorite classic cocktail in old fashion. All you need to buy for an old fashion is you need to make sure you have some ice. You need to make sure you have bourbon, whether it's bullet or not. If you're tasting along with us, great. You've got some bullet whiskey. If you tasted before and you have Michter's American whiskey, great. You've got whiskey that you need. And then you need to have Angostura bitters. Uh, so if you go to the your local liquor store and ask for Angostura bitters or old-fashioned bitters, they'll get you what you need. And you also need a little bit of sugar. I'm going to be Simple doing, syrup? No. Just some sugar. Okay. I'm going to be doing an old fashioned. And dad, what are you going to be doing? I'm going to do what's called a rusty nail. So that's scotch. Imagine that. I didn't blend bourbon. <laughs> Blended scotch, right? Well, I'm going to use a uh, famous grouse. And, you know, I always have that in the house. Uh, it's, it's a great mixer. And then the mixer for the rusty nail is Drambuie. Now, Drambuie is an Eye of Sky liquor. So it's a aged scotch whiskey. The traditional rusty nail uses a lemon. Now, I'm more a lime guy, so whether you use a lemon or a lime, I use the lime. Rusty nail is what I'm doing. Okay, so the Drambuie in a blended scotch. So if you have, you know, my dad said famous grouse, but if you have a Johnny Walker in your house, you can use that as well. That's right. Any type of blended scotch would be good with it and then Drambuie. All right. So so we won't be doing a blind. We'll just be talking no. about these cocktails. So our cocktail episodes, we're going to do every once in a while. They're going to be a special episode where we really honestly just talk about how to make these cocktails. What do they taste like? We're not really going to do any designed pairings with it and we won't be doing a blind. So it's really just about using what we're talking about to make different cocktails. And other, you know, bar tools that you may need to make the cocktails. So don't forget to follow us on all of our social media. Uh, find us on Instagram at Acquired Tastings. You can follow us on Twitter as well at Acquired Tasting. Feel free to reach out to us through email by acquiredtastings at gmail.com. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget, if you like what we're doing, give us a rating. If you don't like what we're doing, feel free to give us some suggestions of what we could do better, like we received this week about some of our background noise and some of our sipping noises. So we appreciate all the comments to help us be better. Like we said, we're just kind of starting out at this. That's right. And we're looking forward to connecting with you guys. So once again, this is John Mills. And I'm Josh Mills. And this was Acquired Tastings. See you next time. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.